and welcome to Pod Academy. For this podcast, we will be looking at a problem in society that frequently makes it to the headlines. But the worst news is that youth unemployment has gone over the million mark. 22.5% of 16 to 25 year olds are jobless. Finding work has become a major struggle for young people over the past few years. This long-term unemployment can have devastating effects on the youth. Shocking, brutal and devastating. Just some of the reaction from unions and business leaders to the latest figures on youth unemployment. More than half of young black men available for work in Britain are now unemployed, according to The Guardian newspaper. This podcast is indeed about youth unemployment, an issue that many young people here in the UK and elsewhere in Europe are struggling with ever since the 2008 financial crisis and even before then. My name is Maarten van Schaik and today I will be joined by Callum Biggins who wrote the paper A Demanding Job Finding Sustainable Employment for Britain's Youth for the London-based liberal think tank Centre Forum. As an institution trying to promote liberal thinking in the UK, after Callum and I both sat down with our coffees, I first asked him about his motivations for picking a topic like youth and employment to write a research paper about. Obviously, at the time of writing, and even today, youth and employment is a very topical issue. It's quite politically sensitive. Whilst I was writing the report, the level of youth unemployment, that is those not in education, employment or training, had surpassed the psychologically important one million threshold. So it was a topical issue, and at Centre Forum we thought we should write our response to it, our critique of it, and why youth unemployment was at such high levels. And more importantly, going forward, what the government could do to tackle this growing problem. You just mentioned that there are over a million young people unemployed. What kind of people are we talking about here? Well, yeah, that was uh, one of the central contentions of the report. Uh, We found that the reporting of youth unemployment tended to describe unemployed young people, those aged 16 to 24, as one homogenous group. However, we found, somewhat unsurprisingly, that youths in this range vary quite substantially in terms of their characteristics. So, for instance, we found that youth unemployment has been relatively static for those aged 16 to 17 between the years of 1993 and 2011. So it was hovering around about 10% of the time. This said, unemployment has been rising steadily for this group since the financial crisis, so circa 2008. Um, We also found, found that unemployment varies significantly by education level as well as by age. So those with no skills or a low qualification are by far the most likely to be unemployed. We also found that, and this was like the particularly uh, most stressing concern, was that around 20% of those aged over 18 who are unemployed are skilled to a very low level, and this has not increased at all since 1992. So that suggests that education is failing a certain amount of young people. In your report, there's a fairly substantial section about the scarring effects of unemployment for the youth. Could you explain a little bit more about what exactly you mean by scarring and what kind of different types of scarring uh, there might be around? Obviously, no matter when you become unemployed during your economically active life, you're going to be scarred as a consequence of it. But we found that these effects are particularly severe during your youth 
Research has shown that during sustained periods of youth unemployment, you're more likely to have lower future wage earnings later on in your economically active life, as well as an increased probability of future periods of unemployment. More specifically, um, research by Greg and Tomney showed that a wage scale between 12 and 15% occurs following a period of youth unemployment. Further still, the scarring effects are evident up to 20 years after the initial period of unemployment. Um, So if you put that into uh, some sort of context, you've got someone who is unemployed at the age of 17, but by the age of 37 they're earning 12 to 15% less than what their peers are just because they were unemployed at the age of 17. So obviously youth unemployment as well as the um, economic consequences here and now for the exchequer and the taxpayer also has significant consequences for the person involved. Um, a second potential consequence of scarring following youth unemployment are the um, social and emotional consequences. So this means that the impact of youth unemployment transcends the economic sphere. Um, research suggests that health and social issues follow a period of youth unemployment are commonplace. So a sustained period of youth unemployment is widely believed to have a significant impact on the future on the individual's future happiness, job satisfaction and personal health. Earlier on you mentioned especially those with limited education and low initial work skills are the ones hardest hit by youth unemployment. Do you think the changing makeup of the economies in Western Europe and the UK especially over let's say the course of the last decades um, with more and more manufacturing companies choosing to set up shop elsewhere in the world might play a role here. To some it may seem like with the changing economy there's just less of a demand for lower skilled labour here in the UK these days and they would see the rise in the levels of those in higher education as a sign of that. Do you think the idea of the UK moving towards a society where there's more of a demand for higher skilled labour is a correct one? Um, I wouldn't say it's more to do with like a higher education. I still believe that there is a place in the modern economy for those people that don't decide to go into higher education, don't decide to go into further education. The point of the report was, a large part of the report even, was to dispel many of the common myths. So, for instance, if you pick up a standard paper, you may happen to read an article about EU migration having a negative effect on um, the ability for young people to find jobs because EU migrants are taking those jobs. Um, Our research found that this wasn't the case. Our research found that it was a lack of demand by employers for low-skilled jobs in in the manufacturing industry that was contributing towards the high levels of um, youth unemployment. There was also quite a large rhetoric concerning um, concerning the uh, employability of young people and whether mm-hmm. or not the curriculum in which they are taught at school accurately reflects the needs of employers. Another thing that, in my opinion, frequently pops up when people are debating or discussing youth unemployment, and it doesn't really matter whether you are reading about it in a newspaper or discussing it with friends in a pub, is the idea of some sort of free wider effect the idea of having young people in unemployment as a result of the welfare system in place in the UK, and it's an argument I hear in the Netherlands often as well, is the assumption that social benefits have a negative impact on youth unemployment 
as I would take away the incentive for young people to look for jobs, do you think these assumptions have any truth to them at all in reality? I think for a large majority of the population of the 60 to 24 age bracket, I don't think that that applies. Um, I think that a major problem is, is that in the past 30 years or so, there's been an increasing shift towards kids staying at home with their parents post-16 education. So this is, in effect, disincentivised them to go out and look for work immediately and stay on in further education or whatever when it may not be the right thing for them to do. It is also counting against them going out and getting practical work experience because their parents can give them pocket money or other words. In bygone generations, you might have been on a paper round or whatever at 6.30 every morning before school. Right. In 2012, we reached a staggering number of over 1 million young people in unemployment right now. Could you expand a little bit about what kind of impact that has on the UK's economy? Well, um, we calculated that in total it cost the Exchequer 5 billion in terms of welfare payments, but also it cost the economy 10 billion pounds in lost economic output through these people being economically inactive or underemployed. So clearly we're dealing with a problem here that doesn't have just direct costs, but also we we, we see loads of, of missed, missed income out of taxation out of, 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 yeah. as a result of wages. And uh, aside from the um, direct economic costs of it, there's also a large societal cost in terms of scarring for the young people. Um, our, through the research we did in terms of uh, a literature review and um, a few case studies that we did talking to people involved in the sector. I was wondering whether you could sort of explain a couple of the attempts undertaken in the recent years to tackle um, youth unemployment and why you think that these attempts might or might not have had the desired effect. Obviously, youth unemployment is hardly a new phenomenon. Uh, the Labour government made consistent efforts to do that, that was uh, they had two key objectives that are highlighted in the report. The first one being the New Deal for Young People and the second one being the Future Jobs Fund. We believe that both of these initiatives failed to accurately target the problem. They were more so, to an extent, kicking the can down the road. Mm. They weren't providing long-term sustainable opportunities for young people to find employment. A very considerable section of your report about a study of, of the main national approaches undertaken here in the UK where, and you compare it to the attempts undertaken by uh, both on the local level uh, for instance looking at the Manchester case study that you've included the system that was used previously in the Netherlands. Could you please explain a little bit more about what kind of, what kind of measures were put in place and why you think these had a more desirable effect than the overall domestic way how it's done in the UK at present? So um Firstly, taking the Manchester example, the case study that we looked at was under the Labour government where the Future Jobs Fund was in place. And we found that in the Manchester case study, there was a greater involvement from all stakeholders within the process. So rather than it just being a government-led initiative, they also engaged actively with local employers to ensure that they were able to establish a wide range of public, voluntary and community sectors to uh, provide employment opportunities for unemployed young people in Manchester. So under this uh, initiative, 55% of the participants under the Manchester scheme were either in employment, including apprenticeships, in education or volunteering. So in practical terms, this equates to over 800 people becoming re-engaged with the labour market 
If you contrast this with the outcome for Greater Manchester, which is the uh, local authority in which Manchester is, and the national averages, that's 39% and 43% respectively. So that's a big increase, 55% against 43% nationally. So we consider this figure or this case study to demonstrate that if everybody comes together, starts pulling the same direction, there's not an overlap of efforts, so it's a more um, effective and efficient way of tackling youth unemployment, then results could be improved considerably. And would this be the same back in in the Netherlands? We chose that case study firstly because the Dutch economy is quite similar to that of the UK in terms of the way you break it down between industry, agriculture, financial services, etc. But in the Netherlands, there's a quite a significant incentive on local authorities and principalities to tackle youth unemployment themselves rather than waiting for the top-down approach that is adopted in the UK. So they favour a much more local approach. Through favouring this approach... Uh, local Dutch governments are better able to tailor youth employment initiatives to their own individual economy depending on what their local economy needs rather than what the national economy needs. So looking at the people that are in youth employment and after having looked at the two case studies about Manchester and the Netherlands would you mind listing a couple of the recommendations you make in your research paper? In general the report concludes that using the two case studies that we've just talked about both Manchester and the Netherlands if you have a more proactive approach on the local level then that can lead to significant improvements on the national level so that means that you tailor initiatives to suit the local economy so one of the examples that we used in the report was that what may work well in Newbury won't work now in Newcastle because the two economies are totally different. The two economies have totally different needs. Also, the characteristics of the young unemployed in those two areas are remarkably different. So, initiatives need to be tailored towards this end. It's no point having an initiative that works well in one area but won't work well in the other, so everything has to be tailored to suit the local economy. So, with this in mind, the report calls for greater autonomy for local authorities to determine their own youth employment initiatives rather than a central government diktat which may may or may not work for that particular region. Using the Dutch example, again we call for a tailoring of initiatives for local economy needs. Um, Also, um, both case studies proved to us that intervention in youth employment needs to begin much sooner than the current nine threshold as um, determined by the youth contract which somewhat perversely dictates that intervention into unemployment begins earlier for those aged over 24 than those under 24 where those aged under 24 often have a greater impact of scarring from being unemployed. As the Dutch case study illustrates providing young people with access to support soon after becoming unemployed is critical given their relatively poor knowledge of the labour market and grow exposure to the risk of extended unemployment. So we recommend that intervention needs to begin much sooner to minimise detachment from the labour market and dependency on the welfare state. Also, a critical part of what we found during our research was that employment initiatives have to comprise a real job element. Now, this isn't so much about youth contracts or youth employment initiatives being real jobs. It was more so to do with 
participants receiving a wage in return for their labour to, to incentivize them to think hold on the world of work's better than the world of benefits I want to go out and work rather than stay in bed or those other stereotypes that people have of the youth unemployed as both case studies evidenced uh, in this way not only will they gain experience that is essential to improving their employability and thereby enhance their long term employment prospects but they'll also experience the monetary benefits of being employed Good, then a final question to uh, to conclude this interview. If you would be in control of government, let's say, let's say that you are prime minister, what kind of changes would you put in place, like concrete changes, in order to solve this problem or minimise the effects of youth unemployment? There's no silver bullet. I don't think you can just solve youth unemployment like that. It's clearly... <clears throat> As the data illustrates, it's a structural problem which may have been exacerbated by the financial crisis. So, for that reason, it has to be quite a multilateral approach. You can't just have target one specific area because that ultimately won't solve the problem of youth unemployment. So, but for me, I would encourage great, as the Manchester case study illustrates, I would encourage greater involvement of local authorities to combat local youth unemployment in their area. I would also encourage companies which bid for public public sector contracts to have youth employment sustainability clauses within them. So therefore, if they happen to get a large public sector contract for, say, building a new hospital or whatever, then as part of them being awarded that contract, they should be taking on unemployed youths and giving them practical work experience to help them increase their employability for future jobs which may come their way. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Callum Biggins. This podcast was made for Pod Academy by Maarten van Schuik. For more information about Pod Academy, the research we've dealt with in our podcasts, and other interesting news on podcasting, please visit us at www.podacademy.org or go to our Facebook or Twitter pages. For more information about Centre Forum, please visit www.centerforum.org where you can also download your own copy of Callum's research paper on youth unemployment.